Hey friends, welcome to All the Right Ingredients, the podcast for people who love to cook and entertain. I'm your host, Molly Fowler, the Dining Diva. You know, whether you're cooking for your family or entertaining a crowd, we all want to put forth our best effort. We really want it to be memorable. So this is the place we're going to talk about everything related to cooking and entertaining. Menus, tools and gadgets, table settings, cocktails, special ingredients, really everything you need to make you better in the kitchen and up your culinary game. So today, I'm so excited about my guest, um, Jenny Field. So let me first, of course, she sends in a bio, and so I can, I'll tell you that technical information, but let me tell you why I love Jenny Field so much. She, number one, is an absolute killer recipe developer. I have never tried any recipe of hers that I was not absolutely teetotally thrilled beyond thrilled as the recipients were as well. Secondly, she's a kitty person, as am I. So what's not to love about a kitty person? And she is so sweet, knows everybody, everything, and is so happy to share information, which is a wonderful and rare quality. She is just genuinely a kind and wonderful human being. So she's my guest today. And when we were talking, she submitted her bio and... Previously, she was a special education teacher, then went to culinary school and worked in fine dining. And so what she's doing now, she marries her degrees in education and baking by teaching people the basics of ingredient function, baking methods, and techniques so they'll be successful not only with beginner recipes, but with the more advanced recipes. She has authored Pastry Chef Online since 2007. You need to go and check it out, it's fabulous. It was first a static website and then as a blog and as new social media platforms have come on the scene, she is in there up to her eyeballs and all that and does a fabulous job. She's developed recipes for brands such as Harris Teeter, the Idaho Potato Commission, Sabra, Barilla, Dasani, and it just goes on and on. So she is wonderful and is an expert on baking, mixing methods and ingredient function and has a passion for developing dessert recipes, especially cakes and cheesecakes. So what got my attention, recently Jenny posted absolutely an incredible dark chocolate pound cake recipe. You need to go and check it out. I'll post a link to it. It is fabulous, absolutely fabulous. And as a part, as I was reading through the blog part, there was a link that said the creaming method. I clicked on that and with that click, there was a light bulb moment in my head. Oh my gosh. So that is why I am calling this episode Better Baking Epiphany. It will change your world. It will change the product you end up with. So we're gonna take a quick break. I'll come back, introduce you to Jenny Field, the pastry chef online. And we'll talk about this new, radically new to some of us, method for really getting the most bang for your buck out of your baked goods. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. You know, in all my years of teaching cooking classes, a few concerns about entertaining keep resurfacing. People are reluctant to entertain because they become bogged down with planning the menu and the need for all recipes to be ready at the same time. They wonder how to be with their guests instead of being tied to the kitchen for most of the evening. Sound familiar? 
I've got the solution for you and it's easy and inexpensive. My book, The Dining Diva Presents Menus for Entertaining, gives you well-tested recipes and timelines for advanced preparation that will allow you to be a guest at your own party. We also include a shopping list for each menu. It's available on Amazon as a Kindle book for only $9.99. Download yours today. You'll be entertaining with ease in no time. Alrighty, welcome back, friends. This is Molly Fowler, the Dining Diva, here with my friend and super smart baker and the woman who is responsible for the big light bulb coming on in my head, Miss Jenny Field. How are you? I am great, Molly. It's so good to see you. Thank you for having me on your show. Oh my gosh, this is so much fun. And Jenny, as I say, knows knows everybody. So she she has connected me with wonderful people that have been on the show previously. Uh, Baker Betty, for example, Courtney and Zerabi. So she knows lots of people who know lots of things, which is very, very wonderful. And okay, so Jenny, when I was making that absolutely delectable chocolate pound cake, which everybody in their right mind needs to make, just saying, um, <laughs> I came to the creaming method. So, you know, I took basic home ec. We did those kind of things. I watched my mom. There was always the cream, the butter, and the sugar, and then add the eggs and, you know, just the method that we all kind of grow up on. Yeah. But sometimes I don't get consistent results with the very same recipe. And after I read this about the creaming method, I understand why. So listen up, everybody. Let Jenny walk you through the creaming method. You may think that you know what you're doing, but I'm betting 90% of you do not until you let her take you by the hand and walk you through because it is it will change your life in the kitchen and baking. <laughs> well, I have to say that I had to learn it the hard way. Um, <laughs> my mom, that that chocolate pound cake is basically my mom's recipe that I've just like tweaked a little bit. But um, I decided I was going to make a cake for a friend of mine who was coming to see me from college. This is like, you know, decades ago. And I knew that she had always, you know, creamed the butter and then add the eggs one at a time and I was like, who has time for that? And I just like tossed all the eggs in together. And I did not end up with the beautiful, like soft serve ice cream batter that she always did. And I'm like, what did I do? This is like thin and horrible. And into the trash it went. Of course, now I would have baked it anyway. It would have been fine, but it wouldn't have been awesome. Right. So I had to learn the very hard way to do it correctly. And the thing to remember about a batter is that it is an emulsion. Okay. You're holding fat together with liquid, right? The the milk and stuff. Right. Plus you've got a bunch of particulate matter, flour and all of that business. Um, and you're holding it together with the emulsifiers that are in the egg yolk. Okay. So have you ever made a cake where your batter kind of curdles? Yes. Okay. So that can be a function of a couple of things. Thing one, if you build your emulsion too quickly, it will break. And so that's where that weird curdy kind of thing happens. Yes. And it also can happen 
if you have like taken the time to cream your butter and it's so beautiful, you took it out of the refrigerator an hour before, so it was nice and soft and creamed it with the sugar and magical. And then you toss cold eggs, right? That will, you know, it seizes your butter back up into little pebbles. So I always tell people, try and remember to have all of your ingredients at room temperature, cool room temperature, you know, like 65, 67 degrees. Um, That includes all your dairy ingredients, your eggs, not just the butter. So if there's milk, if there's sour cream, whatever, get all of that out. Because if you've taken the time to build an emulsion at a particular temperature, and then you throw something cold in there, your fat's just going to seize up again. So horror. We don't want that. We do not. I mean, it'll still work. But again, it's not going to be the best it can be. And I'm all about if you're going to make it, you might as well make it the best it can be. Absolutely. Yeah. So otherwise, what is the point, I ask you? (laughs) Well, and now we have the cost of groceries these days. You sure want it to be the very best. Exactly. Exactly. So what surprised me most was that the creaming part of it, the actual beating of the eggs with the sugar, took a lot longer than I have ever dedicated to that process. So tell us how long it normally takes and why it takes so long. Well, for me, I usually cream for probably eight to 10 minutes. Um, Some people will say that that is over creamed and you end up with a denser cake, but I like a really meltingly velvety crumb. Mm -hmm. So I am more likely to be happy with a little bit of over creaming. But if you like a taller, a little bit sturdier kind of cake, a good five to seven minutes should be good. But what happens during that stage is not only is your butter becoming more of a paste than like a hard brick, right? but all of those little sugar crystals are busting tiny holes into the butter. Okay. And that those holes have air in them because obviously it's not a vacuum. There's something in those holes, right? So there's air in those holes. So when you bake it, that air expands in those bubbles and that's what makes the crumb. Got it. So even if you don't, if you're not using extra leavening like baking powder or baking soda, you'll still get a fairly nice crumb. I always add some baking powder to my pound cake batter to give it just that much more gases. So it's a little bit lighter even. Um, So that's the main thing with creaming. You want to make sure that the the mixture expands so it's bigger. It looks volume-wise. It's more than it was when you started. And it's a much paler color. Yes. And that's because you've whipped all this air into it. And that's what gives you your crumb structure. So up to a certain point, the more you cream, the more fine your crumbs are. And then you get to a point of... Maybe you cream it too far, your butter gets a little bit too soft, and then it sort of breaks a little bit. You can fix that too. Put it in the refrigerator for a while, come back, you know, do it again. Again, again. Right. But and you don't have to like start over with new ingredients either. It's, you can just pick up where you left off. And then um, my, like my big epiphany for building an emulsion was, you know, what if adding one egg at a time, what if even that is too much? 
um, too much liquid at one time. Right. So I take all of the eggs for my recipe, beat them together, and then add them, drizzle them in a little bit at a time. Okay, like a tablespoon or two? Yeah, something like that. Over the course of maybe five-ish minutes, okay. um, I get all of the egg in there. And usually, okay, so here's the thing that um, has always hurt my head about the creaming method. Um, people will say, cream the butter and sugar together until the um, it's not gritty. Right. But there's not enough water in the butter Unless you're not using a ton of sugar, there's not enough water in the butter to dissolve all that sugar. So it's going to be gritty. But by the time you get those eggs in there, mm-hmm. it'll be smooth because there's enough water in the white part of the egg that that will dissolve all the sugar. Right. And then the, emulsif- the emulsifier in the egg yolk, the lecithin in the egg yolk, keeps it all together. Wonderful. Okay. So an- another question on eggs. So... Characteristically, I use or have previously used large eggs. Mm-hmm, me too. But I've been looking and my large eggs are looking kind of small. So now I I know. And so I have changed and I just I'm buying extra large eggs now. Mm-hmm. Is that wrong? What's the s- scoop on eggs? Well, I think it is important that you have the right amount of egg. When you're baking one cake, I don't think the difference between a large egg now and a large egg a couple of years ago is going to make too much difference. But if you're baking at volume, it could. Um, So I generally, I would look up the standard weight of a large egg. Okay. Without the shell, which is about an ounce and a half. Okay. And if my cake calls for, say, five eggs, that's, what is that? seven and a half right. ounces. So then you can just weigh your eggs as you plop them into a bowl, you know, put the bowl on your scale and then weigh until you get seven and a half ounces of eggs. Right. Um, but, so whatever size you're using, then it doesn't matter. You just put them in there until you get the amount that you need. And then you can be consistent from every yes. time. Yes. So like if you're almost there and you have like an egg and you know, if you add that extra egg, it's going to go over. You can just say, fine, this is close enough. Or you can take that last egg, beat it, and add it a little bit at a time. Right. And then save that egg and make yourself a tiny scrambled egg or something. You know? That's right. Or, or throw, it, throw it into your husband's breakfast. There you go. There you go. So um, you also, I noticed in your recipes, are usually um, put the weight as opposed to the volume of yes. the ingredients. And... Um, I, I've been doing that too. I mean, I followed it absolutely to the Nat's eyelash on the dark chocolate pound cake and <laughs> was rewarded with a really fabulous cake. And so for those of us who are not used to weighing, it's, it really isn't that hard. It doesn't take that much extra time. You just, you know, pre, pre-weigh your container or whatever so that you can get your measurements and carry on. But it does, it, it does make a difference. And I can see from the way I would dip and measure flour and this, that, and other that, you know, I was putting a whole bunch of extra flour right. in when I didn't need to. Right. One thing that you can do, because when I first went to culinary school and they were like, you need to weigh your ingredients. I'm like, weigh my ingredients. That's ridiculous. Why would I? 
but I started weighing and I was like, oh, so that was my epiphany moment, you know? So if you have like a favorite recipe that you make a certain way and it has volume measurements, just take all of those measurements, weigh them out, write it on your recipe, and then you never have to use your cups and stuff again. You weigh it according to how you've always made it. Right. And then you'll have a consistent result from there on out without having to get a whole bunch of stuff dirty. Excellent. Excellent. I love that. Okay. So we're adding our eggs, beating them all together, and then adding them slowly. That's what I do. Yes. Right. And then the alternating dry and wet ingredients. Mm -hmm. Why is this important? What does this do for the texture and the lightness of your cake? Right. Um, Well, I always alternate starting with dry, Mm -hmm. a little, you know, and I usually do like three dries with two wets in between. So dry, wet, dry, wet, dry. Um, And that's also a way to keep that, um, to keep from mixing too much. Because if I added all my flour, then I would have kind of almost a stiff dough. And then to stir in all of that milk, I would end up activating too much gluten and I would end up with a chewy cake. Ew. Which, yeah, not really what we want. We want like a tender cake. Right. So you want to limit your um, the amount of gluten that you're developing and you limit that by limit limiting the stirring. Got so it. So by adding a little bit of flour and then a little bit of your liquid, you have to stir less to incorporate those things. Right. And it also helps to keep your emulsion. Like if I were to add all of that liquid at one time and then want to stir in the flour at the end, I could end up breaking my emulsion that I worked so hard to build. Right. With adding the eggs a little at a time and all of that. And then again, you'd have to stir a super lot to get all of the dry ingredients incorporated. So adding gradually lets you keep that emulsion and also um, limit the amount of stirring. It sounds counterintuitive. Like if you're adding in five, you know, additions, you would think, oh my gosh, that's five times as much stirring. But how much stirring do you have to do to make sure all of those dry ingredients are incorporated? Okay. So when you do that, so when you are adding your flour and your liquid, Mm -hmm. are you making those additions by hand? Are you still using your standing mixer? Um, I am using my stand mixer. What I generally do is have it on low. Right. And I'll add in a third of my dry, Mm -hmm. mix it until it's mostly in, but not all together. Again, I want to limit my mixing. Then add half of the milk, half of the remaining dry. This is all on low speed and just keep doing it. And then when you're, when you're done, go through and scrape the bowl really well, turn my mixer up to like high speed for maybe literally like two seconds and then done. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Um, When you put your cake batter into your pan, is there a technique that helps to make it not domed in the middle when you're baking, because sometimes, you know, I end up with um, the cake that's quite peaked in the center and not quite up to the edges of the pan. And I end up, if I want to do a layer cake, I end up having to cut that off. And then I feel guilty. And then I stand there and eat all that cake so as not (laughs) to feel guilty. (laughs) 
It's fine. It's your treat. You're, you've earned that. <laughs> Tell my pants that. <laughs> um, well, one thing, if you're baking in a lighter colored pan, you're going to have more even layers or even like a lighter colored bundt cake because the darker the pan, the more heat it absorbs and then the quicker the sides set up. And so then there's no room for it to rise anymore on the sides, right? Because they're set. So right. it domes up more in the center. So baking with a lighter color pan will help with that. And also sometimes that excessive doming is because of over mixing. Mm. So it rises more like bread than like cake. And then the third thing that you can do if you're feeling super brave is um, start your cake, especially like with my pound cakes, you could start them in a cold oven. Right. Um, I tend to, to think a hybrid is good. And this is, this is new. I'm always like evolving the way I'm thinking. So this is new for me. And this is not in the recipe that you read because this is like brand new. Um, but you can start like, if your cake is supposed to bake at say 350 degrees. Okay. You can set your oven to say 300. And then when it's ready, stick your cake in, crank it up to 350. And that will help. That slow, that lower heat allows things to rise more evenly because again, it keeps the sides from setting too quickly. Okay. So that's sort of a hybrid method you can do if you don't want to start in like a dead cold oven. You can just preheat to a lower temperature. And then as soon as it goes in, crank it up, it up to yeah, to whatever. Because, because that intense heat from the bottom is gonna help everything rise, right? Because that's right. gonna activate your um, leavenings and it's gonna make the little bubbles expand, so. Perfect. Okay, and position in the oven, where's the best place to bake a cake? If I'm baking like a two inch, like round layer, mm-hmm. I will put that dead in the middle. Okay. If I'm baking a bunt cake that's gonna be taller, I mm-hmm. put the rack in the lower third so that the middle of the pan is in the middle of the oven. Right. That makes sense? Yes. So I want like the the bulk of whatever I'm baking to be right in the center as much as possible. Perfect. Excellent. Okay. The biggest tip, well, aside from the creaming, I can't say everything was so wonderful. I just, I I learned so much in my dark chocolate pound cake experience. Um, So, you had said to make it really super moist and fudgy to a bake it early. So not the morning of the day that you were going to serve it. So I baked it a few days in advance. And then what really blew my mind was when you turn that cake out and it's still hot to completely wrap it in saran wrap. And I did. For everybody to gasp in horror. Totally, <laughs> totally. But I, I knew you wouldn't lie to me. You never have up to this point. So I didn't think you'd start now. And it it just made the best cake. It just made the best cake. It makes so much sense. And the first time I read it, though, because I read that tip in a cake decorating book that has been around for probably at least 20, 25 years. So that information is out there, but it's just not widely broadcast. Right. Um, I will say in um, Rose Barenbaum's Cake Bible, when she has cake recipes, look for her chocolate cakes where she takes cocoa and puts it in hot water. And she says, cover it 
so you don't lose the moisture that would otherwise evaporate out of this hot liquid mm-hmm. because you'll end up with a dry cake. So I took that and then the wrap the cake once it comes out of the oven from this other book and thought, well, let me just try this and see. And it makes so much sense. Like for something like bread that you obviously don't want to be super moist, you know, right. you let that, of course, cool out on a rack and then that moisture evaporates out. Exactly. But in a cake that you want to have moist, especially a cake that might tend to be dry, like say a white cake that doesn't have egg yolk in it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, if you wrap the layers when they're hot, all of that moisture that would otherwise evaporate out gets stuck where it belongs in the cake. And it makes such a huge difference. I could not believe it the first time I tried it. Right. And then I started doing it with all my cakes. The only reason I wouldn't is if there's something about the cake, like the crust of the cake, um, that is like crunchy and that's part of the experience. Right. You'll lose that. Right. You'll lose that if you wrap it. But other than that, it's just the best tip I have ever learned. It is. It is. So that is fabulous. Okay. I can't think if there's anything else. Anything that you can think of that you need to add? Well, I have um, another variation, and you could do this with the um, chocolate pound cake too. Okay. It does, if I if I remember correctly, it does not call for any heavy whipping cream. But no, my my um, pound cakes all call for about ten ounces of liquid, which is a cup and a quarter. Okay. Um, and I think this one is it all buttermilk. Did I do it with all buttermilk or close to all buttermilk? I think it was, I don't have it here in front of me. I think it was, I think it was buttermilk. I think it was all buttermilk, a cup and a quarter. What you can do with almost any cake recipe, at least a pound cake type recipe, and you know how much liquid is in it. Mine have a cup and a quarter. Right. Um, If, if say it's a cup and a quarter of whole milk, Mm -hmm. I can decide I'm going to take a quarter of a cup of that. And I'm going to swap it out for heavy cream. So what I'll do is add that cup of milk in with the dry, wet, dry, wet, dry. Okay. And then at the very, very end, I'll take that leftover quarter cup that I've subbed in for cream, which is giving us more fat too, right? So more melting tenderness. But also since cream whips, you get more air bubbles. So what I do is take that quarter cup of cream, whisk it. Not until it gets to soft peaks, because again, we don't want to stir forever. Right. But just until it gets thick. Right. And then fold that in by hand into the batter. And that just gives you that much more of this meltingly tender, amazing, uh, velvety, wonderful goodness. So... I am the girl who is all about the heavy whipping cream at, at yeah. any and every opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So, Well, this has been just wonderful. I think everybody, you all, I mean, just pay attention the next time you make a cake and give it the time and you'll just be amazed. I was really shocked and especially with letting everything be at room temperature and the not adding one egg at a time, but adding beaten egg slowly over time was was huge. And then the cake wrap. The cake wrap is, is 
the bee's knees on this. It was yeah, just it's fabulous. Yeah, do that on all of your cakes. Can you like you ever had a dry carrot cake? I mean, it's hard yes. to dry out a carrot cake because carrots have so much moisture in it, but people tend to do it. I don't yeah. know how they manage it, but I don't either. Wrap but they're those out layers. there. Yeah, they are. So wrap those layers and all that moisture will stay in your cake. Oh, yummy. I can't wait to make that. Can't wait to do that. But Jenny, we're going to take another little break. Jenny is going to come back and share with you a great recipe that you can test out this creaming method on. And it is a whipping cream pound cake that just sounds luscious. So we're going to take another quick break. Jenny will come back, talk us through that recipe, and uh, then tell you how you can find her and find all of her recipes. You guys, you need to follow her. You will have your world changed because she knows her stuff. So we're going to take another break and come right back with Jenny Fields and a yummy recipe. I'm willing to bet that every cook who enjoys baking always has a supply of pecans on hand. I know I do. And I get the very best pecans from my friends at Cuero Pecan House in Cuero, Texas. This family owned and operated business makes sure to have the freshest and tastiest pecans, no last year's crops. You can buy pecan halves and pieces, and yes, even pecan meal. In addition to fresh pecans, you will find a variety of pecan products suitable for gift giving or enjoying all by yourself. You can also purchase pecan oil, which is one of my favorites. It's 33% lower in saturated fats than extra virgin olive oil, neutral in flavor and has a high smoke point, making it perfect for cooking. They ship all of these as well as yummy baked treats, including their pecan pie, which is to die for by the way, and also their cowboy and cowgirl cookies are out of this world. They make beautiful gift boxes if you want something for that special business client. Take a look at their website, queropecanhouse.com, that's C-U-E-R-O pecanhouse.com to shop for all the right ingredients for your cooking and entertaining needs. We are back, and oh my goodness, I hope everybody had that light bulb moment in listening to Jenny talk about the creaming method, all these ways that we're going to be such better bakers in our kitchen. It really inspires you to go out and, and try a cake recipe, even your old standbys, and see the difference it makes when you really take the time to do it correctly. But there's one recipe you may want to try. If you're just going to be trying the creaming method, you may want to try her luscious whipped cream pound cake. So tell us about that, Jenny. Well, many whipped cream pound cakes just call for a ton of whipping cream because as you're mixing, you're going to end up with butter and milky stuff anyway. But I like to add the whipping cream separately. Um, And because whipping cream has a fairly neutral flavor, I use partly white sugar and partly brown sugar to give a little bit more flavor to it. Um, but it's my standard, like if you, if you go to my website and you look at all my pound cakes, you can see like the bones of my standard pound cake in every single one. Okay. You know, like the proportions of, um, flour to sugar and all of that business. With your brown sugar, is it light brown sugar or dark brown sugar? 
Um, you can use whichever one you want. It just depends on how much of that molasses flavor you want right. in there. And if you don't own any um, brown sugar, you can take a tablespoon of molasses and just stick it in with the white sugar. You know, <laughs> use all white sugar and add a little molasses and you'll be fine. Um, awesome. So the liquid in this cake, again, I've got my 10 ounces of liquid. Um, six of it, um, six ounces of it is half and half. Right. So about three, um, three quarters of a cup. And then I do that like whipping the cream until it's thick treatment at the end, but with four ounces, with a half a cup of whipping cream right. and not just the two ounces mm. and then fold that all in. And it just is just achingly tender. It is just <laughs> a delicious, delicious cake. And I know people, a lot, there's a lot of people who don't like the word moist, but there's no other synonym yeah. for, for moist other than moist. So right. that's what it is. It's just, Moist and delicious and deeply flavorful with that brown sugar, all of the butteriness, and then a good heaping helping of vanilla, a little bit of lemon, and a little almond. So you can't really quite put your finger on what the flavor is other than that, wow, this is just super good. Wonderful. Okay, two questions along the lines of extracts. Do you have favorite brands of extracts? that you like? Um, right now, especially with vanilla costing a bajillion dollars, yes. um, use what you can afford to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I'm not going to tell anybody that you have to run out and buy like a super fancy brand. Okay. Um, my preference when it is reasonably priced is to use Nielsen Massey. But, yep, there are many, mm-hmm, but there are many good brands out there. And if you're a member at Costco, their vanilla extract is reasonably priced and you get like a big, like, I don't know, it's like eight or 16 ounces for not a ton. And that is perfectly suitable. Oh, good. Excellent. What about butter? When you're talking about all this yummy butter in the cakes, do you use the European style butters? What do you, what do you like? I use regular American butter. Um, <laughs> I use unsalted butter yes. um, for a couple of reasons. One, salt is extremely important in desserts. And you'll notice in my cake recipes, almost all of them call for like one and a quarter teaspoons of fine sea salt. That's a lot of salt, but most cakes are undersalted and they're boring and they taste very flat. Yes. Um, I like to have enough salt in there that it brings out that butter flavor and all of the flavors that I've put in it, you want to taste them and you're going to taste them more if there's enough salt. It's not enough to taste salty. It's just enough to bring all the other flavors into focus. Yes. Um, But where was I got stuck? Butter. Um, Oh, butter. (laughs) Um, So that's one of them. I like to add my own salt and also salted butter. Since salt is a preservative, it's entirely possible that your salted butter might have been sitting around for a really long time. Right. Unsalted butter gets rancid more quickly, but you know it's fresher. Yeah. So it has that sweet cream taste to right. it. Right. So that's why I tend to use that. I don't bother with European style butters because there's less water mm-hmm. in European style butters, which is great if you want something super flaky, like if you're making croissants or something, right. you don't want to like roll water between layers. Yes. But here we want to get our um, sugar to start dissolving and American butter has enough water to start that process. 
excellent. And it makes it a little bit cheaper. So you feel like you can go ahead and spring yes. for it and put those three sticks of butter in the cake. Exactly. Right. You can splurge on fancy butter for your frosting if you like a really butter forward flavor. Mm-hmm. But in the cake itself, I think just your standard, you know, even a grocery store brand is fine. Um, but I tend to use, and again, depending on the prices these days, um, either Challenge Butter or Land Lakes. Okay. Okay. Excellent. And in this cake, we're making this in a standard bunt pan. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so it's a 12 cup bunt pan. It's your like standard classic um, shape of yes. bunt pan. Yes. Okay. Which I think also, good tip if you're not sure what size your bunt pan is. Put the water in it and measure it to see because I tried one time to put a 12 ounce kind of cake into a 10 ounce kind of pan. And yeah, yeah. So this one is definitely scaled to be made in a 12 cup pan. If all you have is a 10 cup and a lot of the fancy bunt pans hold 10 cups instead of 12 cups. Correct. You can do that, but just make yourself a little cake. If you have a six inch round or something, put the excess batter in that little pan and it'll be done in say 20 to 25 minutes and then you'll have your own little tiny cake to enjoy. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. One last thing before we go. When you are buttering and flouring a pan, bunt pan, the intricate shapes, whatever, do you have a favorite either method or do you use something like a Baker's Joy with the flour and the oil in it. Right. Um, I have used Baker's Joy and that generally works pretty well. Um, What I tend to do, I don't like to butter my pans with butter because Mm -hmm. butter could potentially burn at those temperatures against the hot sides of the pan. So I usually use um, either a pan spray or like melted Crisco or cooking oil or something, wipe it in there super well, brush it into any weird little crevices, you know, get it super well oiled. You don't want it pooling, but you definitely want to see that shininess all around the pan. And then I put in a generous amount of flour, tap it all around, all around, especially get it up on that central cone because that's where a lot of sticking can happen. And it's the worst. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. And then I take it outside and bang it out upside down to get rid of all of the excess. If I'm baking a chocolate cake, I do the same thing, but I use cocoa powder instead of flour. Right. Good idea. Good idea. And that way you don't have that weird white pall over the top of your chocolate cake. Like what happened to that? Is it moldy? That's right. That's exactly right. Don't need that. Well, Jenny, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you for sharing all of your in-depth knowledge that's going to help all of us to become better bakers in our kitchen and tell people how they can find you, all the places they can find you. Yes, come find me on my website, first of all, which is pastrychefonline.com. You can find me on Facebook. Um, I have a pretty active page and you can find me at facebook.com slash pastry chef online, all one word, or just search for Jenny Fields pastry chef online on Facebook. And you can find me that way. Um, I'm on Twitter. I don't do as much food stuff on Twitter, but I'm over there. If you're interested, I'm pastry CHF online there on Pinterest. I am online pastry chef Instagram on Instagram because there's not enough on Pinterest. I'm sorry, Pinterest online pastry CHF 
Instagram, online pastry chef. And what else is there? I'm on TikTok. I'm so um, impressed. Yeah, I don't remember who I am over there. <laughs> there. Um, so, yes, I spend most of my time, though, on Facebook. And if you have comments or anything, you can always email me, onlinefacerychef at yahoo.com. I am happy to answer questions, help you with baking. If you have recipe requests, I'm happy to help with those. So, you know, whatever you need, you can find me. Well, it is awesome. And you guys also, in addition to baking type recipes, she's got wonderful uh, hot fudge sauce that is just killer. She's got tomato jam. She has all kinds of things to add to your hamburgers. I mean, so she's not a one trick pony here. This girl's got it all going on and you will want to check it out. But Jenny, love you, my friend. And thank you so very much for being a guest on All the Right Ingredients the podcast for people who love to cook and entertain. You can find out the next guest coming up on my Facebook page, which is All the Right Ingredients. I'm All the Right Ingredients and Instagram. So check it out. You can always find us and we always find wonderful, smart, awe-inspiring guests to have that (laughs) will share their information and help us all to be the better cooks that we know we can be. We just need that little extra oomph of information. So thank you so much. I can't wait to be back and visit with you guys again. Thanks a million. Bye-bye.